Hey, TJ, feel welcome. Well, good morning, everyone. So a few people awake here this morning. That's good. Uh, what happened to the nice warm weather you guys had, right? Woke up this morning, 40 degrees. I'm like, what's going on? So my name is TJ. This is my wife, Kimberly. And we have two daughters, Tally and Kaya, who are having an awesome time in your kids' class. And uh, we are missionaries to the country of Spain. But I thought, normally you guys always get to hear from the, from the guy, right? And so I thought it would be awesome if you guys have an opportunity to hear from my wife and how God has called her and how get the, the woman's perspective of, mission, of missions work. And so she's going to give you guys your testimony, her testimony to you. And uh, then, unfortunately, you have to hear me bumble and some more. Okay? All right. Go ahead. Hello. Good morning. It's great to be here. Um, my name is Kimberly, and I grew up in Kansas City. Um, and my testimony just starts out as I was born into a Christian family. Um, my parents got saved uh, later in their teen years. Uh, and because of that, they were uh, very um, intentional in bringing me up in a Christian environment because they did not have that. Um, we were very faithful in our church, and because of those influences in my life at an early age, I accepted Christ as my Savior when I was four years old. Um, after that, I just knew that I wanted to serve God, and I loved God, and as a, as a kid, I would um, put the kids that my mom babysat in the backyard all together, and I'd teach them Sunday school because I needed to tell them about Jesus. At first, I was going to just do school, and then I thought, no, no, I've got to do Sunday school. Um, so I just knew that that's what God wanted me to do uh, as far as that's my desire. And I um, loved when missionaries came to church. I loved hearing their stories. I remember in Sunday school learning about some of the missionaries of old, Amy Carmichael, William Carey, people like that. And that was always my favorite time. Those were always the, um, the, the lessons that really stuck with me. And so because I loved that so much, when I was finally old enough to go with my church's youth group on a missions trip, I went to Mexico, spent two weeks there, and I really, really enjoyed that. Um, and so the next year, my youth pastor came to my parents and said, I have a trip that she needs to go on. And so I was able to go to Peru for a, two, uh, a month time period and actually spend a full month down there doing different ministries with the pastors down there. And that was really the time where God took the desire that I had in my heart for missions and the interest that I had. And he said, this is what I actually want you to do with your life. And I felt him calling me to missions. And I always thought maybe a Spanish-speaking country because I'd been in Peru and Mexico and I took Spanish. Spanish in high school and kind of really enjoyed that and um, but I never had a clear calling to a specific country um, until after I graduated from college I went to BBC graduated with a missions degree and was kind of just waiting for God to show me the next step where he had me uh, I hadn't met TJ yet so God had not put that part of our our life together uh, until le a little bit later and so then when after we had met and we were actually getting ready to get married and his dad had come back from England on a furlough and he was preaching in a town about 45 minutes from where we were and that was close enough for us to go out and see him and and hear him preach and so we did that and he uh, mentioned Spain and a missionary there that was needing help and that's what it took for God to show me which country he wanted us to go to um, and uh, t I'll let TJ finish the story because that's partly his story as well but uh, that's when we knew that God wanted us to go to the country of Spain. And so it's just been a great time um, so far in my life, following God, seeing what he has and as he's opening each and every door. We were able to do our internship in England as uh, 
Pastor said, and during that time, God gave us lots of opportunities. Uh, we lived at the Bible College, so we were able to work with a lot of college students who were giving their life to the Lord and just be able to encourage them and mentor them and help them along the way. And uh, also, God brought lots of single mothers my way, teen single mothers, and so I was able to do some ministry with them and um, try to bring them back to the Lord or back, back into church or whatever was going on in their situation and just encourage them to follow God. And um, we know that in Spain, when we get there, God's going to have an amazing um, opportunity set up for us. And uh, we are just excited to see what that will be and how he will direct us. So thank you guys for today, and uh, we appreciate you. So I thought the best way to, to, to present to you what God's called us to do in Spain is, is let you guys know my story. Is that okay if I let you know how I came to this point standing in front of you here today? And as Pastor said, I'm a little bit awkward uh, because I'm a missionary kid. It's all right. I've, I've come, to, come to grits with that, of being a missionary kid. It's a little bit different. Uh, I, as Pastor said, I grew up in England from when I was a year and a half until I was 20. So I love fish and chips. I love crumpets and tea. Tea should be hot with milk and sugar, nothing else. And so um, I, I love all that kind of stuff. And I grew up in England. I love the culture. I love the people. I love the atmosphere of what it was like living in England as a kid. And, and uh, I'm a little bit stubborn kid. So um, I, since I'm a missionary kid, I'm in church all the time. I'm where the doors aren't even open. I'm there, right? When the doors are closed, I'm still there because my parents forgot me and went home. But uh, you know, I'm always at church, always there. And, so, and my dad always took the time to share the gospel with me of what Jesus did for me, what it means, what Jesus did on the cross for me, specifically for me. And, uh, but it wasn't until I was 12, uh, 12 years old, I was actually back here in America at a super youth rally in Springfield, Missouri, and the man who was, who was teaching that, 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 that um, super youth rally was talking about the cross of Christ. It was all about the cross and everything that Jesus did on the cross and everything because of what Jesus did on the cross, the future is now completely changed because of what Jesus did. And he said the most amazing thing about that is the fact that when Jesus was on the cross, was hanging on the cross, doing everything he was doing on the cross, all the pain and suffering he was going, going through, he was thinking of T.J. Gritz. And it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I just thought to myself, why would God send his son to live a perfect, sinless life, to be despised, to be rejected, all for T.J. Gritz? That's way too much for me, God. I'm not anyone special. You shouldn't be dying for me. You shouldn't be taking my sins away. You shouldn't be doing any of that. If you're going to die for anyone, God, you're going to die for those missionaries who are going into the jungles that could possibly be eaten alive by people, right? Because they're doing amazing things. They're, they're stepping out and doing great faith and having all these things happening. If you're going to die for anyone, God, die for them, not for me. I'm not special. But I wrestled with this question. I wrestled with this idea for the rest of the service. And at the end of the service, I went to my the youth leader. And I just said, I don't know why he did it for me, but I accept that he did it for me. Because I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. And he said, Christ my Savior, 12 years old. And the next year we were back in England at church camp. And is, is anyone uh, here like church camp? Got four people. Church camp's awesome. I used to joke around my parents that, 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 that uh, camp was way better than Christmas. That's until Christmas came around, and then it's like, okay, I get presents at Christmas. So it's definitely really cool. But I love church camp, and I'm sitting there. I'm saved now. I know I'm saved. I'm secure in my salvation. And the whole time I'm thinking that the people that came from America to, to, to teach camp were talking about missions. And I'm thinking in the back row, you're here to talk to all the British kids about missions. You talk to them all you want to. You challenge them all you want to. I'm saved. I'm a missionary kid. I'm good. But God was there to talk to me that week. And at the very end of this, uh, the last day, you know how they used to do at camp where they do like 75 verses of a song? 
I think we're doing just as I am. And on the 35th fifth verse, he's like, ah, one, I hear someone, someone here, I know someone's going to make a decision. Let's do five more verses. And so you're, I'm sitting in the back, I'm like, I, I'm, I'm going to power my way through this, and I'm not going to do anything. But eventually, God, the Holy Spirit got hold of my heart, and, and, and God called me and said, I, I want you to be a missionary. I want you to get out. I want you to go somewhere and to tell them about me. And I surrendered my life to be a missionary at, at 13 years old. And the next couple of years... Uh, I saw some of the struggles my parents were going through. It was nothing major, but I saw how the separation of family affected them. Because you think about it, my parents are, are, are my, my dad's from Oklahoma, my mom's from Missouri. All their, mom, their, their parents, their sisters, their brothers, their cousins, their aunts and uncles, everyone is here in America, and we're over there in England. And, and some of them are passing away, and my parents were not, weren't able to get back for the funerals. And I saw how that affected them. And I told God straight up, I said, God, if you want me to, to put my future family through that, I'm not going to do it. That's not going to happen. And I said, God, I don't want to be a missionary. God, I want to do what I want to do. And can anybody guess what it is that I wanted to do? Can anyone? Go ahead. Any answer? A chef? I love food, as you can tell. But no, not a chef. Anyone else? I wanted to be a rock star, Okay. Why does everyone laugh at that? I don't understand. I want to be a rock star. I want to make millions of dollars. I want to live the good, perfect life, you know, where you don't have to worry about anything. And so I, I was learning the piano at the time. I, I stopped that. And to be a rock star, what do you need to know how to play? The guitar. So I taught myself how to play the guitar. I dyed my hair green. I had chains. I did everything I possibly could. And I, I, we started bands. And I started playing around the town where we were at. And we actually played some shows. And actually a guy came up to us and said, hey, I'm going to beat your next show. And if you do a good job, we might sign you to a deal. And I thought, it's going to happen. I'm going to start making millions of dollars. I don't have to worry about anything for the rest of my life. It's going to be great. And so it's funny how God works. Is it, it, it seems like God allows us to run a little bit, right? It's almost like he wants to, I don't know, laugh at me. when I, He's not going to laugh at me, but, but he, let, he, lets, he lets us run, right? And so we get to this show, and we're all excited, and we're, we're pumped up. And we're like, if we're going we're gonna to rock this show out, and it's going to be amazing, and it's going to be good. And the drummer counts off, the, off and uh, we all play the wrong song at the same time. I forget my guitar solos. The singer forgets his words. It's just a train wreck. Obviously, the guy didn't want to sign us to a deal. And then the next couple months later, my parents come to me and say, hey, we're going to America, and you're coming with us. And we want you to go, to go to Springfield, Missouri. We want you to do one year at Baptist Bible College. And I told my parents, only people who can't hack it in the real world go to Bible college. Only people who want to wear shirts and ties for the rest of their lives go to Bible college. Only nerds, only weird people go to Bible college. And so I went to Baptist Bible College, and uh, it, it was an experience. I'll let you know that. Living in England for my whole life, coming to America, to Springfield, Missouri, was the weirdest thing I've ever done in my life. America was very, very weird to me. And I didn't want to be here. I did not want to be here. I did not like anything to do with America. I wanted to go back to England. I wanted to live my life because I knew if I came here, God was going to do something. God was going to work in my life. And I, I, in fact, I didn't want to be here so much that I didn't do my homework. I didn't do my assignments. I didn't show up to class. And eventually, after a year, year and a half, they came to me and they said, TJ, you have a .39 GPA. And I asked, is that good? Because in England, you don't keep GPAs. And they said, no, it's really bad. And actually, you can't come back to college. But my problem is, is I don't have a job. I'm eating and I'm sleeping at college. And when they kick me out, I have nowhere to go. For the next three weeks, I'm couch surfing around Springfield, Missouri with all the friends I've made that actually have a house and a tiny couch to sleep on. 
And God used that to get a hold of my heart and eventually say, are you finally done running? Are you finally done trying to do this life in your own strength? Are you finally going to say, hey, I'm going to follow you, God. And that's what I say, God, whatever you have for me has to be better than this. Because in my own strength, in my own power, not following the, the call that you have on my life, it's got me nowhere. And I say, God, I'll follow you. I, I said, I will think about being a missionary, God, but I'll follow you. And after that happened, he gave me a place to stay, he gave me a car, he gave me a, play, uh, a job. I was, I was rolling around in a 1986 Chevy Celebrity, which was awesome, and the power steering ran out, and I didn't have no mo- enough money to change the power steering pump, so it was really hard to drive that car. But God gave me what I needed, right? He didn't give me a Ferrari, he gave me what I needed. Because he knew if I had a Ferrari, I would get tickets, because I drive way too fast. And, uh, and so... And then the next couple of months after that, I met Kimberly, and we started dating, and, and we started serving at our, our home church in Springfield, Missouri, and, and getting in and actually growing my faith in God and what he wants from me. And, and my, as, she, as my wife said, my parents were back. My dad was pre- preaching at a church. And it's, it's interesting how God works, right? He never works how we want him to, right? We can have our plan. We can say, hey, God, this is what I want, this A, B, C, and it's, it's going to look like this at the end, God. And, and God almost says, okay. That's what you think's going to happen. Okay, that sounds good. But I'm going to work my way, and, and I'm going to get the glory for it. Amen? That's what happens at the end, right? We get to turn back at the end of our lives and end of any situation and say, God, I'm going to give you glory because of what you did. It was amazing. And so my dad comes to this church. He supported him his work in England for an extremely long time. And the first thing my dad says to this church that is supporting him and wants to hear about the work that, he, that, that God's doing in England, he mentioned missionary in Spain. And he says, this missionary in Spain has two churches, a 24-7 Christian radio station, and he's begging people to come help him. If he had more people to help in the ministry, he could start another church. And I, don't, I didn't hear anything else my dad said for that sermon. All I heard was Spain. All I heard was of the need in Spain. All I heard is the fact that people need to hear Jesus Christ in Spain, that people are coming to know Jesus Christ or, or being discipled, being trained, and being sent out of these churches. And I just simply say, God, if you want me to go to Spain, God, I will go. I will surrender to you. And if you want me to be a missionary, God, I will do it. I will go. I will follow. But here's my dilemma. And at that time, my, my, wife, my wife sort of felt like being a missionary, but she didn't know where. And, and, uh, and so I'm like, well, if, if, if she doesn't really feel called to go to Spain then we can't get married. Because the worst thing you can do is to drag someone where they're not called, right? You're just looking for trouble then. And so I'm, I'm driving from the church to drop her off at her house, and, and I simply tell her that God, God's called me to be a missionary to Spain tonight. And she turns to me, with the, she didn't say anything for like five seconds, but it felt like an hour to me. And she said, God called me to be a missionary to Spain tonight also. And I thought, how cool is that how God works? He calls two people separately sitting right next to each other to go to the same place. And so I, I had to go back to school, and so I walked back into the missions office, and they said, T.J. Gritz, oh, you're that guy. And I said, yes, I would like to re-enroll back into, in, into college. And in 2005, I re-enrolled. We got married. We re-enrolled back in Bible, Baptist Bible College. I squeezed four years into five and graduated in 2010. And... Um, and we hit the road, and we were wanting to go to Spain to do our internship, but nothing was opening up. The doors were closing, and so, so God opened up opportunity to go to England with my parents and, and work with them. And as my wife said, we, we were the RAs of the Bible College, which all that means, it sounds really cool, but all that means is the students kept me up way too late, and my kids got me up way too early. That's all that really means, and I spent two years being extremely tired. But it was the most amazing experience about being the RAs to see these, these teenagers who have, most of them have been uh, saved not even a year, 
And they've made that bold step to step out and say, I want to follow God and I'm going to go to Bible college. I'm going to learn what he wants for my life. And to be able to invest into them, to be able to train, to disciple them. We taught classes. We had to stay up late doing counseling sessions with them and, and uh, being woken up in the middle of the night because they needed to talk about something. It was amazing to see them grow in their faith. The most amazing experience, I think, in the world is to see someone come to Christ as their Savior, right? I mean, that's, that's the coolest thing to experience. But right up there close is to see someone have their faith stretched and to see them put their faith in God. And then have their faith stretched again and see how they trust God in that situation. And we got to see that over and over again with the, with the Bible college students. Uh, we got to start a brand new church in Telford, England. And uh, in order to start a church, what do you have to do? Do you, do, you, do you get some money, you build this building, and then you stand here and you hope people walk into that door? Is that what you do? No, you got to go tell them, right? You go, like I was told uh, last night, you go... Where the fish are, you go fish where the fish are, right? That's where you go. And so we went to the high street, uh, which is Main Street here in America. High Street in England is where everything happens. In small villages, uh, in small towns, everything happens on the high street. And so we went to the high street, and we decided we're going to tell people about Jesus Christ. And we stole uh, Charles' idea uh, in England about who is Jesus. And uh, simply to stop people and ask a question, who do you say Jesus is? Can you do homework for me this week? No one says yes to that one. It's like, I'm not in school, I don't do homework. Find two people this week that you don't know, two people, and simply ask them, who do you say Jesus is? And when they give you their really weird, whacked out answers that you're going to get about who, pe- who people think Jesus is, we simply ask them, well, how did you come about that conclusion of who Jesus is? Then they'll give an answer. When they get that answer, you will find out very quickly what their view is really of Jesus and what their view really is of church and what their view is of religion. And then we simply said, hey, do you know how Jesus says he's the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by him? Hey, we, we're starting a church on, on, on Wednesday nights over here. You, if you, we'd love to invite you to come. Wouldn't, isn't that an easy way to witness to someone and invite them to church? If you simply did that to two people a week, what would happen here at this church if you did that? If every person simply talked to two people they don't know about who Jesus is and invited them to church, it would change this place. Amen, Pastor? Amen? So that's what we did. We got to have many conversations with people. One man told me that Jesus is a figment of my imagination that was set up by the government to control the masses. That's his view of Jesus. He doesn't even believe he has historically existed. I got a guy from Ukraine who told me that everyone in Ukraine knows who Jesus is. So I, I, he doesn't need to talk to me. I didn't know that everyone in Ukraine saved, apparently. But I, I doubt that very much. So we did, we did that. We started the church. We got that going. We saw people saved. We baptized people. And, uh, and then we pass it off to another missionary who's doing an awesome job with the, with the ministry now. They, they have their own building now. And they're on Sundays and Wednesday nights, and they're just doing an awesome job. And, uh, and so we took two survey trips to Spain while we are there because Spain has always been the end goal for us. That's where, that's where God called us to. It's just the journey he took us on is a little bit different than most people. And so right now I want to show you guys our video and you guys get a quick glimpse into Spain, and then I'm going to talk a little bit more. I apologize for that part. Um, but I would love to answer some questions uh, you guys have about Spain. And uh, if they're really hard, I'll let my wife answer them. Is that okay? Because she's a way better job than I do. So let's go ahead and run the video.
Paris, as we took our survey trips, our two trips to Spain, I got to tell you, as soon as we stepped foot off that plane into Valencia, Spain, me and my wife, we knew, God, this is where you want us to be. This is where our heart is. This is where our passion is. This is where you called us, God. This is where everything is, God, we want to do. God, we want to get back here and start sharing the love of Jesus Christ with the people of Valencia, Spain. As our first survey trip was really like a tourist destination, a tourist thing. We saw all the touristy things you do. You know, when you go to a town you want to, or a city, you want to see some of the tourist things, right? Things are famous for. And so we, we walked around what seemed to be every square inch of Valencia, Spain, me and my wife. My feet hurt every single day when we were done. But we walked around, we saw everything, we prayed as, as we walked, and God, what do you want us to do, God? Where do you want us to live? How do you want ministry to look, God? Well, what is it you want us to do while we're here? And we kept, we, we kept getting bombarded by these, these, these contrasts everywhere we went in Valencia, Spain. And the first contrast we saw was the, the contrast of old versus new. As you saw from the video, there's some very, very modern-looking buildings in Valencia, Spain. In fact, uh, there's been uh, quite a few uh, sci-fi movies that have been actually filmed in that area right there because it looks so modern, so futuristic. But yet, right next to these buildings, you're going to have buildings that were built in the 9th century and still being lived in today. Of generation after generation have lived in these buildings. All over Valencia, Spain, you walk, you will see old and new, old and new, old and new. And I kept thinking to myself, as we saw this, this contrast kept hitting us. I kept thinking, isn't there someone in the Bible that came to get rid of the old and bring in the new? Does anyone know who that is? It's not a trick question. You might know about this guy. His name's Jesus, right? He came home to get rid of the old covenant and the new covenant that's in his blood, amen, through the cross of Jesus Christ that, that covers our sins and takes away our sins if we truly just to believe in what he, that he's God and that we're sinner and we need Jesus Christ. And we just thought, we've got to get back and tell them about this new covenant, this new relationship that they can have in Jesus Christ and only found in Jesus Christ. As we walked around Valencia, Spain, the other contrast that hit us was the city versus the, the country. And uh, 2.3 million people it has everything you could possibly need in Valencia, Spain. I was telling some of the uh, people last night that in, 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 in any place that we, we decide to live, <clears throat> within a mile radius, there's everything we could possibly need. Every grocery store, there's banks, there's parks, there's, there's the restaurants. There's everything you need was, is all within walking distance. Yet you go about 20 minutes outside of Valencia, Spain, all you're going to see is rice fields and orange groves, as far as you can see. You go about an hour, hour, hour 20 minutes outside the city in certain places, you're going to run into buildings that have no electricity and no running water. That all their life is, is they get up and they farm, they go to sleep. They get up, they farm, they go to sleep. But yet relatively uh, quick for us, in proximity to them, is a major metropolitan city. But the biggest contrast we saw is the spiritual condition of the people. Uh, here in, uh, I don't know, from, from here, we're staying in Conway. From Conway to here, I'm probably just off the top of my head, I probably saw nine churches. All different denominations, right? Not, all of them are different, but there's probably at least nine churches in Springfield, Missouri, from, from Baptist Bible College to our sending church, which is Bible, Baptist Bible College on the north side of Springfield, our sending church and home church on the south side of Springfield, you will probably run into about 20 churches as you drive down that, that road. In Valencia, Spain, you walk around Valencia, Spain, you're going to see cathedral after cathedral after cathedral after cathedral. There was, the first time we went, we were on the Plaza del Reino, which is one of the main plazas where the where a bunch of shops and all the tourists go and to, to see. And we walked down this lane, just the, this little tiny path that goes off of Plaza del Reina. And we're walking through, and it, it, it's snaking its way through, and then eventually it opens up to this, another little plaza. And I see this door. 
and this door's open. And I told, told my wife, let's go in that door. It's like you can't just walk into a random door. You're going to get deported. Something's going to happen. Something's going to be wrong, you know. I'm like, no, look, I want to go in that door. And some people were walking in and out of it. She's like, fine, let's go. Let's go see what's in there. So I just, I, I'm just going to peek, right? I'm just going to peek in. I'm not going to get in trouble. Don't worry. And so we walk up, and I, and I, I just walk into the door, and it's pitch black because it's super bright outside. And then you know when you walk into, like, a, a place that doesn't have a lot of lights, it, it takes your, your eyes just a little bit to, to adjust to, to, to the lighting. And so we walk in there, and we can't see much, and then all of a sudden our eyes adjust to, to the lighting, and all of a sudden we realize we're standing in the middle of the Valencia Cathedral. And it's the most beautiful thing you will ever see in your life. There's gold, there's diamonds, there's gems, there's statues, there's paintings. The ceiling is probably about three times bigger than this, and it's all got painting all on the ceiling, and it's got gold everywhere. And we're, me and my wife are just standing like, whoa, this is amazing. And we start looking around, investigating all the different places we can find and look. We're taking pictures as sneakily as I possibly can without getting in trouble. And so we're, we're walking around. And then all of a sudden, I, I see over in the corner, there's a few people that are kneeled down. And we, 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 we walk over a little bit more. And we look over, and there's a statue of Mary. And they're there. They're pouring their hearts out to Mary. God, say, Mary, please give me favor with God. And it broke our hearts. The people there pouring their heart out to a statue of a human, right? Mary's special, she is, right? But she's a human. And they're pouring their heart out and they're paying to get their prayers answered to the priests. That Mary can give them favor in God's eyes. We left that, 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 that cathedral and me and my wife, we just, we walked around, we didn't say much. It's like, God, we have to get back here and start sharing the love of Jesus Christ that's only found in Jesus Christ. The grace and forgiveness that's found in the blood of Jesus Christ. God, we need to get back here to share with them the true, real relationship they can have with Jesus. That's not through anyone else. It's not through me, right? When you come here, it's not through your pastor. It's because you understand who Jesus is and what he's done for you. And so Valencia, Spain, we want, to, we want you guys to see Valencia, Spain like we see Valencia, Spain. And in order to see it, we, first we, what we want to do when we get there is we want to share Jesus Christ with the people of Valencia, Spain. I got to tell you, Valencia, Spain, the Valencians love to party. If you want to go see a party, you go to Valencia, Spain to see a party. Uh, they just finished a party that it only lasted three weeks. All right? A three-week party. All right? It's called Las Fallas. Has anyone ever heard of Las Fallas? I can't believe people haven't learned. It's, 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 it's a ginormous celebration that happens uh, for three weeks. And what happens is all through the year leading up to this celebration, there's people, there's groups of people that are building what's called ninos. And on the video, do you see that, the, the, all those figurines that were all put together? Okay, they, that's called a ninot, okay? And they take ye, a year to build. And they can be as small as me, or they can be 10 to 15 stories high. It depends on what they want to build and what it wants to look like. And they're so ornate, it's amazing. And what happens is they, they, they roll those in on the third week of, of Las Fias. And the other two weeks, what they're doing is every single day at noon, they're setting off fireworks. Every day at 8 o'clock at night, they're setting off fireworks. And every night, it's just a party. It's just a time to, to celebrate the fact that Las Fias is here. And that whole week, the last, last week, they're voting, the whole city is voting on all these ninos that are all put around the city of Valencia. And at the end, the end uh, they, they tally up the, 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 who, all, all the, the votes, and there's two winners, and they take a piece of that off, and they put it into a museum. But the rest of them, they're still dotted around the city. And so what they do is they then burn them, 
light them on fire at nighttime, set off fireworks, they're up to about 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, because Las Fayas is simply to celebrate the fact that spring is now here. So a three-week celebration to celebrate the fact that spring is here. And it's also a three-week celebration to celebrate the fact that the celebration season has just now started. And the celebration season will last for nine months. So after the three-week celebration, celebrating the fact that celebration season has now begun, uh, every weekend you will have some sort of celebration going on in Valencia, Spain. It can be anything you want. The, the one that I want to be a part of is actually August 29th. Uh, hopefully uh, I will be there and uh, I, will t- I will send you guys pictures if that's okay. It's called the Tomato Festival. Has anyone heard of the Tomato Festival? Some people have, yeah. All they do is they cart in like semi-loads of tomatoes and they block off a part of the, of the city and they have a three-hour food fight. Just with tomatoes. Josh, come on over. We, we can have fun. But they're celebrating the fact that the, t- the tomatoes are now in season, that they can now harvest those tomatoes. So let's celebrate the fact that, they, that we have tomatoes by wasting a whole bunch of them. But it's okay. I'm going to be a part of that. But I could go on and on about all these different festivals they're going to have in Valencia, Spain for the, for the next nine months. But only about two of those will I ever mention the name of God. Will I ever men- mention the, the Bible? Will I ever mention Jesus? But I want to be a part of those festivals, as long as it doesn't compromise what the Bible says. I want to be a part of them. Do you know why I want to be a part of them? Not just because they're fun. It's because if the Valencians understand that I love living in their city, if they understand that I love being around them, if they understand that I love them, they're more likely going to hear what I have to say. So we want to find every way we possibly can first to share the love of Jesus Christ with the people of Valencia, Spain. And then through the people that we get to share, when they come to know Jesus Christ as Savior, we want them to equip them to do what God's called them to do. Whether they're the next missionaries are going out, whether they're the next pastors, whether they're the next youth pastors, whatever it is, whatever God has called them to do, we want to help equip them to do what God's called them to do. To train and disciple them. To grow in their faith. To be bold witnesses in their jobs and their families. And then we want to establish churches all around Valencia, Spain. So that's why that's I want you guys to see Valencia, Spain, to share, to equip, and to establish churches all around Valencia, Spain. So thank you so much for allowing us to be here this week with you guys and get to share, you, share with you what God's called us to do, how, how he's brought us to this, to this point now, and how we're excited to leave in, Jan, in July. July is when we're, we're planning on leaving. Uh, we started the visa process, which is a whole big ball of wax that we have to try and, and get through. Uh, but we were started that, and so July is when we're planning on leaving for, for Valencia, Spain, and then we have to do language school. And, uh, but there's another missionary couple out there that we're going to work with for a year to year and a half that already have a church established in Valencia, Spain. And they're excited for us to be there. We're excited to be there. And uh, we're just, yeah, we're excited. Excited and scared and, and nervous and, and, and hopeful all at the same time. It's a weird, it's a weird uh, emotions that go through our minds. And I'm sure it's going to heighten until I actually get on the plane. Then I'm going like, to try and freak out and try and get off the plane. Or something. I don't know. I might be in the news. You never know. Uh, but we're excited to get there, to see what God has in store. We, we understand that God's always faithful, amen? No matter how long it takes us to get anywhere that, that God's called to do, he's always faithful. And since I can look back, me and my wife, we can look back on, on our journey towards, towards Spain and see how God has never, ever failed us every step of the way, we know he's never going to fail us in the future, amen? It's the same for you and for me. He will never fail us. He will never forsake us. He'll be there every step of the way. And so anyone has any questions at all with the time we have remaining, I would love to answer those questions for you. Or I've just really explained Spain so well that you guys, like, I know it. 
Yes, ma'am. Sorry. Yeah, the, 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 um, yeah the, there are Mormons and our Jehovah Witness. Uh, the fastest growing religion in Spain is Islam at a whopping 1.2%. And, uh, and so really the, all the different religions, you, if you want to say, they're all roughly about 1%. And, uh, but I would, if, if I was going to say what the fastest growing religion, what the biggest religion is in Spain, it would be unbelief. Just straight, they don't want to know. It doesn't matter what it is. It can be Islam. It can be Mormonism. It can be Jehovah's Witness. It can be Baptist. It can be, I don't know, Hare Krishna. Whatever it is, they, they, they don't want to know about it because uh, Spain was under dictator until the early, late 70s, early 80s. And uh, to be Spaniard was to be Catholic. And so anyone that's 40 years older and uh, is, uh, to them, they're still rooted in the fact that I'm Spaniard, so I'm a Catholic. At least in name only. At least when it comes to you know Easter and it comes to Christmas and those kind of things. Oh, I'm I'm Catholic as it's all get out. Uh, but the rest of our lives is just lived just nothing. And so um, what's interesting is that 40 and below, all they've known their whole life is they get to vote. They get to choose anything they want. They have complete freedom. And so uh, when you get to younger generation, when you bring the Bible to them or you talk about Jesus or, or, or the cross or, the, or church or anything like that, instantly they're going to think that's what it was like before. That was a dictatorship. I don't want that. And so that's something we're going to run into and figure out how, you, how do we present the gospel in a way that they want to know who Jesus is. And obviously we know is that we present it in a way that it, what it is, which is relationship. It's not a religion. It's not a, risk, a list of do's and don'ts. It's the fact that you rely on the Holy Spirit to convict their hearts and understand that they need Jesus Christ. So, yeah. Hope that answered your question. Anyone else? There are two churches that we know of uh, that preach the gospel, that preach salvation um, as, as we truly believe it in the Bible. There's, a, there's two churches we know of that do that and in Spanish. Uh, there, are, might, there might be other churches that, that preach the gospel, uh, but we found out a lot of, a lot of churches, uh, they, they come over, the missionaries come over and they start a church, but they do it in English only. And so the Spaniard doesn't know English, so they're not ever going to go to that church. And so most of the people that are getting saved there uh, are either English people or Americans that, that have been transplanted. They go to that church because they, can, they understand it. And so our, our, our goal is to, to be completely Spanish uh, in our churches that we start and the Bible studies that we start uh, because the Spaniard doesn't know about Jesus. And so that's what we want to do. That's what we, God's called us to do. So if you can pray for us in, in that, that we can learn our Spanish correctly uh, and effectively so we can share the gospel effectively. Yes, sir. Cost of living, uh, roughly, uh, we've been looking at houses a lot lately since it's getting close to the time of us leaving. And uh, we can find uh, like a three-bedroom townhome. Uh, finding like a freestanding home like you have here is really hard in Valencia, Spain. Uh, most people live in apartments or they live in town ho- townhouses. And so we found a townhouse, about three bedrooms, uh, will roughly cost us around $1,000 a month. Uh, but that's uh, that's not you know, 3,000 3, square feet, that's, you know, like 1,000 square feet, so, or, or 12,000 square feet. So it's not as bad as, as it was when we were looking for places in England, uh, but uh, it's, it's, yeah, that's pretty much what it is. So the, the biggest expense is going to be obviously gas. Um, it's, it's up there to about 5.50 a gallon. So uh, it's, you just need to, but luckily in, in Spain, you know, where we're going to live, we can walk 
or catch a bus or catch a train anywhere we need to go. And so uh, hopefully driving will be down to a minimum. And so that'd be nice. Although driving is really fun in Spain because they're crazy. So. Anyway, yes, sir. The documents, yeah, we're, we're praying for, uh, we started, um, we had to have some documents uh, from our church and uh, some other things like uh, my ordination certificate and stuff like that, all translated and sent to Spain. We're waiting for a letter from Spain that says, okay, yes, you can continue with your visa process. And so uh, the visa process is just, there's a lot of things involved, a lot of things we have to get, but everything we get has to be then translated into Spanish, and then it has to be what's called apostilled, which is then they have to be sent to Spain and checked in Spain and sent back to us. Uh, but the, what the biggest prayer request on all of that is it's a lot of stuff to do, uh, but the biggest prayer request is the fact that everything is time sensitive. So if they take their time on something and it, it's past the time where it's valid, then that valid, then that uh, invalids everything else. So if, if they take their time, it could get, we could get almost get everything together and they take their time and then it's like, oh, that's invalid. So then everything we've done is now invalid. So we have to start all over again. And so we're, the prayer, prayer is that we understand what we need, get it done, and then that, that they get it done quickly also so we can get the visas uh, completed. Does that answer your question? Uh, we were, we were, we're applying for a non-lucrative religious worker visa, uh, which means obviously we were not allowed to work in Spain, that we were fully supported from elsewhere. And, uh, and then a religious working visa just means we can, we can go around, we can preach, we can teach, we can witness, we can do that. We have no restrictions on anything we do. The government will know exactly why we're there. They'll ask us in an interview, why are you going to Spain? And we'll tell them exactly why we're going to Spain. And if they approve it, then as long as we do what we said we'll do, then we'll be fine. And uh, the visa's good for two years, and then you have to re apply again. And I'm not sure how good the second one is good for. It could be a year or two or two years. But if you get, uh, if you get through two rounds of it, then you can apply for uh, indefinite leave to remain. So you can, don't have to go through the whole process every two years. So, Anyone else? No questions for my wife? She got off easy today. All right, well, thank you so much for, uh, to, for having us here, uh, listen to us, uh, share with you guys about our journey here, uh, getting to Spain, and to please pray, continue to pray for us as we leave in July, uh, that we can send pictures back to you guys, and then in, in time, we can come back and share with you what God did in Spain, and we can rejoice together, amen? Thank you.